You're listening to episode 36 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field, and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer, and let's get to the show. You guys are going to thank me for today. I think that this interview with Ashlyn Carter was one of my all-time favorites. I felt like I was sitting down and having margaritas with one of my girl besties. I asked Ashlyn to come on to the show. She is a conversion copywriter, and she's a marketing strategist, and she specializes in the creative industries. And I wanted her to come on because I feel like sometimes we get so stuck when it comes to writing our copy, writing sales copy, writing the words that are going to ultimately convert our potential customers and prospects to want to work with us. And she is absolutely masterful in this. Like if you want to know how to write incredible copy, you want to follow Ashlyn Carter. So when I asked her to be on the show and she said yes. I was so excited and little did I know that I would fall totally head over heels for this girl even more than I already have seeing how she does what she does. And today's interview, it went in some directions that I didn't expect. She got vulnerable. She got real. We talk about running businesses as moms. There's so much gold in this episode. And if you're struggling to get people to convert, if you feel like you don't know how to put what's on your heart into words in a way that people can trust you and want to work with you, this is your episode. Not that you need to know her rap sheet because it's pretty incredible, but she has helped build seven-figure businesses writing for creatives like Jenna Kutcher, Beth Kirby of Local Milk, Julie Solomon, Caitlin James, Hillary Rushford. The list goes on. She has been a part of creating launch funnels that have generated upwards of a half a million dollars in revenue for clients. And she's been featured in Southern Living, Style Me Pretty, and so many other publications. Ashlyn lives in Atlanta with her baby boy, Tal, and her husband, Wes, and they are just the cutest family ever. You have to follow her on social media so you can see what I'm talking about. But I'm so excited to get to today's show because you are going to love it and it is going to make a huge impact on your business. Okay, Ashlyn, I could not be more thrilled to officially welcome you to Scaling Up. Thanks for being here. Yay. Thank you so much for having me and getting to talk to me today. Yeah, I'm so excited. We've been trying to get this on the calendar for a while, and I know you're a busy new mama to the handsome little Tal. He's adorable. Well, thank you. I feel like, I mean, I hope I gleaned some advice from you today. I just had no idea how how a working mom life was. And so hats off. I'm I'm in the baby, baby stages of learning it and I'm blown away with what you guys do. It's humbling. It's totally uh-huh. humbling. And it I can tell you right now, I do not have it all figured out. It's a lot of prayer and surrender. Okay. Okay. And wine. Okay. In In that order, that's pretty much my day. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm excited to have you on because, well, you're awesome and you're a master in your space of copywriting, but I am actually a copywriter by trade and I love copywriting. Like I love written word. I love marketing through words, but I hated doing it for the man. Like I worked for big companies where I was just totally like a cog in the wheel. And I'm so glad I did it because it serves me immensely today in my business. And I have so much respect for what you do 
knocking out copy for so many different people. And it's just amazing. But I want to know, can you pull back that curtain for us and tell us what led you down this path to starting your own business in the copywriting space? Absolutely. And I love how you just framed it. You said it in a way that's really important to me. I feel like sometimes entrepreneurs start their thing and like bash the world they came from or the corporate. And like, like what you just said, it gave me my footing, my sureness, my security. I knew that I could excel at what it is that I wanted to do on my own because I'd, I'd gotten results for corporate clients and it showed me organization and just so much. So I come from that background as well. I always knew that I wanted to work some form of fashion in writing. And so I worked in a public relations and marketing firm here in Atlanta out of college for a few years. That was agency style. So I think for listeners that don't have a background in communications, you can kind of go one of two ways when it comes to marketing. You can work in-house for, you know, kind of have one client or you can do a many hats and wear lots of client hats. I did both and I I loved them both pretty much equally. I think that it also gave me a knack for shifting voice now as I am a copywriter and have a lot of different clients. So that was my world. Loved it. Loved it uh, a little too much. I, I love work. And so I didn't know how to turn it off. And when you work in something like media and marketing, where your job is to constantly be listening and aware of what's going on. Um, I think all of that just got really woven into my identity. And I loved the glitz and the glam that came along with my job. And, you know, couple that together with being a little bit of a perfectionist. And it was, um, I was a train headed down the wrong path really, really fast. And so um, what happened, long story short, in 2015, all of the performance and just constantly being on um, culminated in uh, anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. And I actually went into a partial hospitalization where I took leave from work and went in to really work on my recovery. I hated it at first. And then it was the thing that saved my life. And I loved it. And I could talk about that for a long time. I loved that phase. But it was through that when I realized I got on the other side and I thought, you know what? Kind of like what you just said. I don't want to be a cog in a wheel. I have a dream on my heart. I have something that I want to get out there and I just want to see if it would work. So that was 2016 as I started my business. And one more thing I'll say is I had done calligraphy on the side for brides as just my escape from that world that I loved, but I just needed an escape from. So when I did start my business, I I knew that world. And so I just, I knew I wanted to serve them. And that's kind of how I fell into the niche that I service now. I have to thank you for sharing that because I didn't know that piece of your story and that the vulnerable piece of your story. And it's so, so beautiful to hear it because you're such evidence that it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. And Mm -hmm. it was a really tough thing that you went through, but it brought you to where you needed to be. Yes. Um, And that's, oh, that's such a gift, you know, and it's a gift that you have that perspective on it because so many people have those types of circumstances and they let it keep them down. So thank you for sharing that. Well, you're welcome. I don't mean to ever like gloss over it or say it really quickly. I just know some people have heard it before, but I do think that it taught me. um, One thing I did learn is like internal locus of control versus external locus of control. And you do have to realize like the things that are happening. I don't know. I talk about it now because I want other people who are going through that kind of thing to be freed up and realize like my life got redeemed from the bottom of the pit. Like I was suicidal. Things were really, really dark. And then just just coming out on the other side of that and realizing if you can make it through that, like I know the Lord can pull me through anything now. So, um, yeah, it was, 
it's my honor to get to talk about it now. Yeah. Amen to that. And, and it's so there's surrender in that there's this place of like, okay, I am at the bottom of the pit. I know that there's more for me, but it's this piece of it is not going to be in my control and give right. that up. So right. yeah, that's amazing. Before we get into the copywriting, because I know people are dying to hear all about that. I, I want to talk a little more about your business because yeah. I think a lot of people listening in are always so curious, like, well, how did they mm-hmm. take that leap or what kind of like product suite did they create or how did they start that process? Or was it scary? Like, I want to create something on my heart, but I, I don't know where to begin. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like what was that, those beginning stages, what were they like for you? Yes. It's that like how I built this kind of thing, right? Like we always want to know. So like you mentioned, I've got a six month old and we have a nanny in who wants to start a business. It has been so cool for her because she asks me questions all the time. And it just takes me back to those days where I asked, I mean, not long ago at all, where I asked those very same questions. So kind of hearing her you know, like every day she'll, she comes in the door and asks me questions. And so it's neat to kind of relive this. So what I've told her lately, if I could pull, pull and draw from that, it is a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what would fit. It was Harvard Business Review. I recently read that most, so we all know these statistics about businesses that fail right out of the gate. Most of them fail because of lack of product market fit. So I will say that early on in my business, I did, I think I just heard it a lot when I was driving to work, listening to all the podcasts. I really started to understand that it didn't matter. And I think it's the copywriter in me too, as you would know, it didn't matter what I wanted to build unless people actually had a need for it. And so I paid attention a lot to what were they asking for and how could I structure what it is that I do in a way that they would understand. When I first started, I was writing everything. I was writing resumes. I was writing about pages, editorial work for different magazines. Um, Then on the calligraphy side, I did chalkboards. I did envelopes. Like You name it, and you had a checkbook out and ready, and I would raise my hand and say that I was the one for the job. But I slowly realized that I needed to really get specific and pare down. Um, I went in kicking and screaming to niching. I did not think that that was going to make me more money. I thought that that was going to completely limit me. But the more I started to do it, the quicker and quicker and quicker our business grew. It, it excelled. Like the more I niched, it just was like putting a foot on a gas pedal. And so I had to swallow that medicine that didn't taste really good and realize that it was right. And that's kind of how I, does that, does that help? Like I started with services. So I was a service provider through and through. And then I've now grown, grown to where I offer like shop products, template downloads, have educational courses, that kind of thing. But just at its base, it was a service business at first. I'm so glad you mentioned that it, you say it so much in that you have like that cute little Southern bell thing going and you say like niched and I'm like niched. niched. <laughs> well, it's only because I always studied French growing up. And so I read it as niche, but then it doesn't work to say the riches are in the niches. So oh, I go yeah. back and forth. I go back and forth. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought it up and uh, whatever you want to call it, however yes. you want to say it, because I think some people have that fear. I did a podcast episode. I can't remember. I'll link to it, but I can't remember the number. It was basically like repel marketing. Like, like starting to push away the people that aren't your ideal client and getting really specific. And it's a li- it's a scary thing. I say that all the time that like, if you had a oh, pulse, yeah. like I would work with you now I'm at a place now where I can be selective and it's such a gift because it's better quality of life for me because I'm working with the people oh. I want to serve, but it's also uh, way more growth in the bottom line and I'm attracting the right people and there's more retention because 
it's not just like getting everyone and hope that they stick and then they fall off because it never was the right thing for them anyway. So tell me more about your niche. Who is like, who is it specifically? And I remember too, in journalism school, I was, I graduated in 2010. So that was the year that like social media and marketing really changed the landscape. And I remember professors, we would look at big magazines and all of a sudden there's this explosion of niches of magazines. There was like a magazine for stamp collectors and like quilters and, you know, it just got crazy explosively niched. And I do think that that is like kind of translated into the content market. It's like that's turned into the internet version and there's now entrepreneurs that service these niches. So like I said, I did calligraphy. I knew how to book a bride. I knew how to work with a bride. I knew what she needed to hear. I'd been a bride. That was the world that I knew as a calligrapher. I had always had a huge interest in art, um, in the arts, um, visual artists, like I was friends with a lot of them. So that world I knew. So when it came to applying different things that I had done for brands like Delta Airlines and Chick-fil-A, Synovus Banks, all these copy clients that I had, I started to realize that there were so many creative entrepreneurs. There were wedding business service providers um, that didn't have access to some of these, like I would look at their websites and I was like, well, that, that sucks. Like that, that's, that's not how the copy should be positioned. Like that's, we have a messaging problem. We have a positioning problem. And I started, I would go in, you know, like you do the Facebook group thing. I would be in all these Facebook groups and I would get in there and I'd say, what copywriting questions do you guys have that I can answer? I'm here. And I mean, people would be like, here's a contract I have that actually could, you know, you look at it and I was like, that's the wrong, no, like that's not what I do. So it was, it was educating an industry. And I think that one thing I've learned from that, that hopefully can be a takeaway for listeners is that I think there's people say like, don't go into that if no one else is doing it, because that means nobody wants it. That's not always true. That was not the case for me. Nobody was doing what I wanted to do specifically for the group of people I wanted to work with. And it worked. It did, though, take a whole lot of education. Like I had to I had to create a lot of free content and I had to do a lot of things to help people understand what the word even meant that I wanted to help them out with, what that looked like in terms of how it could help them. But it was worth it in the end. So I think that there is power in that. And I think you do not want to jump into something that, you know, like we said earlier, isn't going to be a need that anybody really has. But if you genuinely see it as a need, then go for it. Just try it. And it just may take a little while to educate them on. Yeah. And you just, you master the pivot when you're in entrepreneurship and you're starting something like a solo business like that. You don't know what direction you're going to go in. I was just having a conversation with one of my good friends who's looking to get something off the ground. And she's like, yeah, but I'm just trying to figure out exactly what it's going to look like and who I'm going to serve. I'm like, just start something because you're going to learn so much by putting that out into the market, even if it's a total failure. Yes. My first courses were flops, like everything, but I learned so much and I, I took so much in. And I think that's, I want to shine a a light on what you said that this is how you build the foundation. Like people might look at you now and see your success in this and see the people that you serve in your business and big name clients and say, Oh, she's just lucky. She broke in at the right time or she's got new, must've known somebody. No, she had to go through all these processes to get to where she is today. And that there were a lot of like tweaks and like, no, I don't exactly want to do that. Or maybe I want to do more of this. So I just really wanted to highlight that because I oh, I love it and huge failures, yes. yeah, like huge failures all the time. And I think that yeah, I do that. It's funny you mentioned that I do that when I look at entrepreneurs, and I think we forget that how we see them now is not at all how they were 
two years ago even because um, the landscape changes so fast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I actually, coming from a place of having been a copywriter myself, I forget that some people don't know what we're talking about when we say copy or copywriting. So can we talk through that just a little bit and then dive into the meat and potatoes of it? Absolutely. I'm humbled every day by at least some person that comes in from our welcome sequence or whatever. And it's like, now what do you do? Slash also, I'm pretty sure my dad is always like, (laughs) now he understands, but it took a while. So copywriting is the art and science of words that coach a conversion. So anytime in your marketing, you're using your brand visuals and all of those imagery assets, you also have the words and those are there to support and close the sale. Um, Those images attract, but they don't always close the sale. It's your words that really do that. So when it comes to copy, I think a lot of people do confuse it with content marketing and the lines are super duper blurred. If you Google at all difference in content marketing and copywriting, you'll see it's like a contested thing along marketing nerds online. But basically the closer something is to the sale, the more it is sales copywriting, whereas just captions and pieces of opt-ins, those are more blog content is a lot of times just going to be purely content marketing. But what we do, what I do, what a copywriter is going to do is work to create those messaging pieces, website copy, brand messaging itself, email funnel copy, sales page copy, the things that are really product descriptions, the things that are going to really help somebody decide if this offer is for me or not and am I ready to pay. Yes. Beautiful. You said it way better than I would have. (laughs) Well, I've had to explain it a whole lot. (laughs) Exactly. I wanted to talk about your site for a second, your website. You guys guys have to follow Ashlyn. You got to follow her on Instagram. At the end, Ashlyn, I'll ask you where everybody can find you because I want them to look at your your website. I love how clear it is. And I know that you have this skill set. But one thing that I run into when I'm mentoring someone, a, a high achiever who wants to take things next level it almost like amazes me that they've made it as far as they have. Not to, that sounds horrible. They're successful. No, because I get what you're saying. But it's like, I look at their site and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what you do. Like it's so unclear yes. and the messaging isn't clear. And your site is just super clear. Like it says right on your site, like it takes more than a pretty website and filtered feed of flat lays to open the wallets these days. And it's like, oh, okay, that hits me. Like I get that. And that's just that evidence of that power of copy. And you say exactly what you do. And clarity is really king and words really do matter. And I think people forget that, that there's a science and an art behind copy. And can you talk about some of the big mistakes that you see people making oh in their copy? Because I feel like people listening might be able to like then go apply this to their website yes. or, or their words or whatever they're doing. Absolutely. Let's get tactical. And by mistakes I see people making, I would also like to say I will share all day, every day, the mistakes that I've made in my own copy, which is pretty frequent, all that to say. Okay. So I think that first of all, for anybody listening, know that your homepage and your own copy is going to be the hardest to write. Your headlines of that are going to be the hardest. And I want to say that because where do we all start? Our headline copy for our homepage is like probably one of the first things when you sit down to write your own copy. And so you're starting with something that's really hard. Copywriters think that, or I've said, I've had plenty of copywriting mentors tell me like homepages continue to be the hardest thing for them to write. And it's because you are trying, whereas like something that's closer to the sale is very specific, your homepage is going to be a little bit more. Like you're, you've got people that are going to be at different levels of needing to work with you. Some have a big budget, some don't have a big budget, but they're still coming to you for the same kind of need. So it's going to be hard. So I just want to like throw that out there first so people can like shake it off. But some of the things that I've learned along the way, 
writing your own copy also is like trying to do and see the back of your hair. And it always is like, you're very sweet to compliment my website. The copy has slowly gotten to where I'm pleased with it. I think that writing my own copy has been so hard too. One thing that I think we all need to remember, and I say it a lot, but the best copy is never in your head. It's always in your audience's head and it's your job. It's your job as the CEO to go out there and to get it. It's not going to just like fall into your lap one day. You need to actually go out there and actively look for it and curate it and pull it together and finesse it and play with it like Play-Doh until it comes to a place where it actually is, like you said, clear and makes sense. Some of these these snippets, you read out a few of them. Those are not my words. Those are, I just happen to be a really good listener and really good at like assembling. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm a, I'm a good writer. I have to be a good writer to get where I am, but I am a really good listener. And I say that because I just, again, like shake it off. If you're listening and you freak out about writing your own copy, cause it's a lot of research. It's a lot of listening. And if you can really map master and hone those skills, which you got to have as a business owner anyway, to create your products and your services. That's going to help a lot in copy. Are these tips kind of helpful? Is this what you meant? Oh, absolutely. This is spot on. And it's also like making me feel better because I hate the copy on my, like I am a copywriter. I hate the copy on my site and I did it. And I'm like, I can't for the life of me. It's never satisfying to me. I look at it and I tweak it and I change it. I'm like, I hate it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's okay. I'll give you, and I, I mean, I've been there recently. I think that having a team has helped because I'll just be able to be like, Oh, what am I trying to say here? Um, being in masterminds has helped. Like my big signature program, that's one of the big pieces that I've never wanted to pull out is like the group and the audits, because I feel like the fear of putting something out there and hating it is so real when it comes to your your website copy and being able to test it is really important. But, um, so one way to test it, this is a tip is by using, um, hot jar or user testing. These are websites where you can drop in your URL. I really like user testing. You get three audits for free. So create account and then cancel it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but (laughs) (laughs) I won't tell. Yeah. Okay. It's expensive. So unless you are like uh, a website designer or somebody who would be using that tool for the continued growth of your clients, you probably don't need an account, but man, I will tell you what, there is no humility, like putting your website in something like that and having complete strangers record themselves on your website, looking through and trying to figure out what it is you do. So that has been one really helpful tool that I've used in my own websites and on my clients' websites. For example, one time I threw mine in there and I'll never forget one of the pieces of feedback. I think I said, you know, I had stuff about story and writing a woman who is, you know, some stranger looking at it. She said, wow, it sounds like she writes really great autobiographies for people. And I was like, wow, that is not at all what I do. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, eating a slice of humble pie there. So that is one thing that, I think if you're looking for a quick like kick in the booty to get your website copy up is do something like that because you'll very quickly understand through those three lenses what's going on with your website copy. I love that. I will link to that. So it's usertesting.com. Yep. Usertesting.com. Okay. Super I got to te- I'm like kind of afraid to put mine in there. Oh yeah. Do you may have, you mentioned that glass of wine earlier. You may have to have it before you like open up the videos because they, I mean, it's like having a bathing suit on in public. You're like, right. here I am, everyone. Here it is. Maybe more of a margarita. Yeah, maybe more of a marg. There you go. <laughs> I knew I liked you. <laughs> okay. So if we're talking to entrepreneurs here, they're people who have their stuff up and running. Like I said, a lot of them are already really successful. Yeah. But what should 
they be doing when it comes to their copy? Like if you could say there's one thing, one place to start aside from like putting it into this website, because I think that's a great starting place, but something that they can actually do. Because I think that I'm thinking from my brain where I would be listening to an episode like this and think, I've got to do all the things like right. I've got to change my sales copy. I've got to change my email templates. I've got to change my website. I've got to change my sales pages. Like everything would, the whole thing, kit and caboodle. So okay. where can they start? What's the one thing they really, like one area they should really be focusing on? Okay. You said one, am I allowed to share three things? Yes, you absolutely okay. are. Okay. Thank you. Okay. The first thing I just scribbled them down so I didn't forget The first thing, and I hope that this is helpful for people that are brand new, like haven't even started in that dream up phase, but also people who are on their way to seven figures because, and I was thinking about a client who is a multiple seven figure business owner and some of the things that I've told her lately and worked with her on, but I, I feel like I would still tell Brittany, my nanny, some of these things too. So the first thing is, um, have a brand voice guide. Like this is so important to have like ground zero, a base for your message where you have your elevator pitch, you have your company bio, you have words that you say, words that you don't say, you have your mission statement, you have your core values. Those need to be solidified in one document. Because sooner than you think, even if your first, you know, three, six, nine months, year into your business, it's just you. You are a solopreneur and you are the only one you're pitching yourself for podcasts. You need to pull that bio and you need to keep it tight and consistent. Uh, you're changing up your website copy. You're writing your welcome sequence. You need a, like you have that mood board for your visuals. You need a mood board for your words that can call, you can always come back to it's your North Star. I would also recommend figuring out and putting it in there, a unique value proposition, unique selling proposition. Um, my students know I call it your onlyness factor. You need to be able to tell me really clearly why you do what you do, the way you do it different or even better than your competition. You've got to be able to sell me on that. And that takes a long, like these, that brand voice guide, all of these things I just mentioned, they're going to take a while. Like those are really important facets of messaging, but I promise you that writing anything else in your business is so much easier when you have that doc. And I mentioned it too, because as you grow your business, as you bring in a VA to help with emails, as you bring in an editor, a copy editor, somebody to help you with social media responses, whatever it is, when you have some source of training that you can give them and say like, Hey, I need you to stay tight on this. That's going to help. Again, like I look at these clients I know that have bigger businesses and sometimes they'll ha- they'll have other writers on their team, like working on, again, like I, help, I do the sales stuff, but somebody helping with other things. And I'll sometimes will be like, Whoa, she does not say that. Like she never mentions Game of Thrones. Like that is not her. She actually hates that show. You know, like delete. No. So it's little things like that Mm -hmm. that you want to be able to catch. Do you have any comments on that before I like keep talking? I feel like Um, I put a corner in me. I could go all day. (laughs) I want to jump through the screen and hug you because this is like, we do this for our branding and like our look and we spend a lifetime picking out colors and our logo, right? Fonts. Those things are amazing, but your words don't speak to what you do. Don't speak to who you are. Don't give people a reason to connect with you and trust you. All that stuff is for nothing. Is there matter? I, oh my gosh. I just like, I want to hug you. This is so good. So just no, keep going. I'll put two quarters in. Just okay. <laughs> keep on rolling. Well, I think too, like you have a monopoly on your story and your message. 
Nobody else has that. So that, that goes in, that ties into all these things I just talked about in your brand messaging. Visuals are pretty easy to duplicate this day and age for better or for worse. Color palettes, like all of these things, you want to stand out with them. You want to build something that's really hard to replicate with your imagery. But I can tell you what's harder is your story. That stuff is something that really only you can claim. And so when you are able to weave that in in a really smart way and finesse it, that's going to help you set yourself apart even more. Yeah. So the next thing is I'm just testing it constantly, constantly testing and always realizing that best practices are kind of pooled ignorance at times. Like you can go out on the internet and find any rule about call to action buttons should always be green. And then you're going to find another article that says they should always be red and be in quotation marks. And then you're going to like, you'll find headlines that say when you're going to find all of these quote unquote copy rules when you are on the internet and starting a business. What it comes down to is what works for your audience is what works for you. I am in a lot of copywriting groups and it's always funny sometimes when, if I could say this and not sound like, a princess. Sometimes there'll be people that are maybe newer into copywriting and they'll be like, can you believe this ad copy? It's awful. And post it up. And you know, people will be, oh, it's awful. It's awful. But I'll look at it. And I've talked about this with some of my writer friends and we'll be like, I actually feel like it probably works really well and converts really well for the audience that it's working for. You may not be your ideal client, but other people may not be the ideal client that you're trying to go after. I hope that makes sense. So test it. If it works for your audience, if it converts for your audience, if you're looking at the analytics and the metrics and it's working, then it works. Ignore the rules. Learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. But like, you know, I I think that one thing people always say in email marketing, pull out the images make it really copy driven. That's the best practice. But I know my audience, my audience loves the pretty. They are makers. They are artists. They are creatives. I'm going to need to have some of those elements in there for them to trust me, remind them why they listen to me. So that's my second tip. Like no matter if you're new in your business or you've been in it for a long time, always, always test things. Yes. And I can't agree enough because I've done that before where I don't have my blinders on and I'm looking at how everyone else is doing things and I'll shift my copy or my images to fit what I think they're doing because I liked it. And then I realized that their ideal client is not my ideal client and and like it's crickets for me. Like it's not working for me. So I think that's such a good point that that's why you can't just emulate what everyone else is doing. Exactly. Okay. So let's say that someone isn't in a place right now where they're ready to hire an Ashlyn. Yeah. they're not yet confident in this space. What are some ways, what are some things they can do to still like create some great copy? Could they still bring in someone that maybe isn't like an expert copywriter? Should they be doing it themselves, taking a course? What are your thoughts? Love it. I say do it yourself. I think that you can, you need to know enough to be dangerous before you bring somebody in to do it before you bring in the big guns. I think to business writing is one of those things that you're always going to have to do, right? The writing side of being a business owner is never going to go away. You need to be, you need to be able to sell me on your product more than anybody else can. And I think that sometimes by outsourcing copywriting, entrepreneurs inadvertently outsource the sales psychology of their offer or their service, which you, you got to know. And so I teach to my students, copywriting is expensive. Okay. I don't think you need to outsource it for a while in your business. 
I think your first, your second website, write them yourself. Get to a place where you really understand your offer. You really understand your audience. There is so much good training out there. I make it a point in my business. Like I have this dream goal that I want to make sure that any question we ever get asked, we have a free resource out there for people that like tells them how to do it. Because I think I used free resources so much when I started my business. So maybe I have the tool that can help you. If not, I can point you in the right direction, but learn how to do it. Learn how to write your subject lines. Learn how to write your emails. Maybe ad copy is a little bit of a stretch for some people. You may want to pay somebody to do that, but learn how to write website copy. Learn how to write a really good blog, inquiry responses, all of these kind of things. Figure that out and then get to a point where you can start to outsource it. I'm just passionate about that. And I, it breaks my heart. Here's a prime example. I had a, a sales call yesterday with a sweet entrepreneur who I w- it would be an honor to work with her. I would love to. She has spent so much money on copywriting that she's now having to go back and fix because it wasn't, it wasn't done well. That person, the writer that she hired, she didn't know what she was hiring for. That person did not do any research up front. Um, they just kind of like, they did not do any voice study, any messaging excavation. Like copywriting is expensive for a reason. It takes a lot of dang time. And so when you can get to a point to outsource that, go for it. But there are templates, there are tools, there are resources to help you learn how to do it in your business before you get to a point where you need to be able to pay somebody. And when we finish up this episode, I'm going to pepper you with some questions like off recording on free resources that you have so I can send our people to you to to check some of that stuff out because I just love everything that you're saying and I want them to, I really want them to learn it from you (laughs) because I have seen a lot of people out there in your space. They don't do it the way you do it and they don't add that human element. And speaking of that human element, you know, I'm on your email list. I love reading your emails. You're one of like the few that I actually open and read. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And you craft stories through your copy and it's so powerful. And it's just, I mean, I'm a broken record. I say it all the time. Facts tell, stories sell. We just had on Kendra Hall, who's a storytelling expert. She came on and talked about the power of story. But can we talk about that? Like this copy that sells, like the story when you're, let's say that you're working for a client or you're doing something for yourself, like launching a course and you're putting together an email sequence that will ultimately be, you know, trying to sell this Mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. Are you incorporating story? What are some of like those big converting factors that you're, you're using for your clients and for yourself? Oh yeah. I'm like low key stalking them to figure out and excavate as many stories as possible. I think that some of the clients I've worked with so long, I know them so well that I can pull them out. It's one of those things that it was like a conscious competence thing. I didn't realize I was weaving stories in and I got asked a few times and then I I was like, okay, what am I doing to do this? And I think what it comes down to is if you want to explain anything, use story, use anecdote, use analogy, right? Like that is a very quick way for somebody to, that's why like pastors use them in their sermons. It's like, That's why jokes last. Like that is a quick way for somebody to understand something. So if I'm ever trying to explain something, maybe it's an email newsletter or a blog or a live, I'm trying to think, how can I help them understand this? If I can think of a story and then all I need then is that segue, that's kind of like what happens when you're writing your first blog post ever. You know, like using that segue and being good at learning segues is important. I think that I've learned that trick by a couple of things, watching speaking coaches teach because speaking coaches are masters of figuring out how to help you 
connect that. Um, watching comedy because comedians also are very good at the segue and like paying attention. And I may not be the best writer in the world. I am a darn good listener and paying attention is something I'm really good at. So I think I, I still like an artist all the time. I watch comedy and I learn like, how did they tell this story and then transition into the point that they wanted to tell? Because really all that you're doing in like copy for email funnels or whatever is you're transitioning those elements that you're watching people do onto the page and in a way that in the end leads to the sale. Oh, one more tip on this. Maybe this is a little tangible and I, I can give you the link. I did a YouTube video on it, but I story bank all the time. Um, I'll sit down and I'll scroll down stories that happened to me recently in my family and my marriage, you know, people I saw and um, that will be fodder for communicating something. I have a friend, one of my really close entrepreneur friends, and she'll text me sometimes. I'm like, Abby, that's an email newsletter. Like that is an email newsletter right there. So I think just training your brain to constantly look out for those things that you could use as teaching moments. And that's such a good point. I actually do the same thing. I like the what you call it, um, the story banking, but I have a notebook that I scribble down just like something that will remind me of what it was. And I think people discredit what happens in their day. Like hmm. they think a story has to be like that they oh, went through yeah. some trauma or they had this major transformation or they did something extraordinary. No, it's in those little moments. Like you, something you witnessed that your kids said that was really funny or when you, that time you stubbed your toe and then you had to walk yourself through a mental exercise. So you didn't like ruin your whole day. Like it's the little things can have such important messages behind them and you can turn anything into a story that is impactful or entertaining or whatever. So I love that. And I think that's where people get tripped up is they'll sit there for an hour trying to write a social media post because they don't have that bank of stories and they're not really thinking of, they're not giving credit to the little things that happen throughout the day. So they're trying to think of like, oh, what happened to me that time when I was 10? Like what really big thing versus, you know, just a little moment. So I love that. And I think that's such a good strategy. I love how you said that. Like that, you're exactly right. I don't think I've ever thought to say, to remind people like, we're not talking about the thing that happened when you're 10. Like my husband one time I was crying over like an entrepreneur day. You know how it is. It was a mm-hmm. bad day. And he goes, Ash, sometimes the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl every year, but that doesn't mean they're not a great football team. I turned that into an Instagram post. Like that's what, when I say story, I mean like, what did somebody say to you today that can be a post? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I'm a Patriots fan. So. Oh, like well then Russ just scored a point with you then. He totally did. Is he from the Northeast? <laughs> no, but he is a huge Tom Brady fan. Like um, huge. Well, that's because he's the greatest of all time. <laughs> I've been told. And Wes's shirt tells me the same thing. So. Right. <laughs> I love it. Um, I would really like Wes, I can tell. So, okay. So let's get real for a minute because you're a new mo- How old is Tal now? He's six, just over six months. Okay, and so I he- probably have the bags under my eyes to prove it. No, you don't. You look beautiful. Oh, Radiant. <laughs> so, okay. What has that transition been like? Like going from, don't you realize like, I know for me, I had no idea idea. how easy I had it until I had kids. And I was like, why was I wasting so much time? Why did I think I didn't have time? Or why didn't I think I, like, why did I think it was tough? And now it's like, oh my God, next level times 10. So talk to us about that. What's that been like? I could glean insight from you because you've done this multiple times now. But I think I remember people saying like, you'll amaze, you'll start to amaze yourself at what you can get done in an hour. And I remember being like, hair toss, I'm like a pretty efficient person. So like, I appreciate that you're telling me that, but I'm actually really good at this now. I had no idea. I had no idea that I would just, I think my decision making just got faster because I just 
I didn't have as much time to sit and mull and like play around with things. Um, because I want to go, I want to shut down work and I want to go hang out with him. He's so cute and he changes so very fast. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, that happened. I think my whole pregnancy story, I mean, whatever, I'll lay it out there. We got pregnant like the first time. And so I wasn't quite like, I had just started to understand like, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm ready. And like, was nowhere near thinking my business was ready. Like I wanted to have my, I wanted to have all my funnels and my evergreens and my systems uh, did not happen. Like, so I think, oh, I learned so much through pregnancy about preparation for maternity leave. I took three months off from work. I planned out everything in advance. Like that was really important to me to do. And it's been quite the journey, but I just want to encourage anybody who's listening, thinking like, I can't have a kid that's going to rock the way, like I'm trying to set up a business. I can't have a kid. You can do it. You can do both. It's hard, but like you can, you can do it. You can take leave from your own business and still pay yourself every single week. Like there's a lot that I think I was so terrified of, but I didn't need to be as afraid as I was. Isn't it amazing how we just kind of rise to the occasion? Like it's in us it. and we have to just believe it's in us. And, and you're not going to, you can't believe that until you're in it. Like I, rem- it, I have a very similar kind of s- scenario to you of when we got pregnant with Jack. And it was like, I said, like, there's a reason that God makes pregnancy nine months long because mm-hmm. like I needed every last day of those nine months. And I was so efficient in those nine months because I was like, I've got to prep. Like it's go time. I should have done this stuff earlier, but if I needed this kick in the pants to like get it together. And, and I love that you say how you turn off like at a certain time to go be with him and, and be with your husband, because that's a mistake I made in the beginning of trying to juggle everything at the same time. And it always left me feeling like I wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a good enough mom because as I'm nursing him, I'm answering emails and Mm -hmm. I'm not a good enough or present business owner because as I'm trying to get these email sequences done, Mm -hmm. I'm bouncing a baby on my lap trying to keep him happy. And it was just like, I felt like I was half-assing everything. And Mm -hmm. it was just this moment where I said, okay, no, this is, I'm bringing in help. So I heard you mention you have a nanny. Good for you. Like there is, you do not need to fall on the sword and you're not doing your family any, any service by being a shell of yourself, trying to do everything and martyr yourself. So I finally accepted like, okay, I need help. And I made business hours. And when I was not working because my phone's a distraction, even if it's within, I'm human. Like yes. I'm not good at this. Yes. I would literally leave it in a separate room and shut the door and silence it. Like no one was getting a hold of me when I'm with kid time. And it, it was such a freeing, like such a gift. You just like took me to church. I need to remember a lot of those things. That's so good. I, um, yeah. Do you know who Shay Cochran is? I have heard the name. Yeah, she was speaking at a conference that she was speaking at too. And from the stage, she said that she, her first year of her first daughter's life, she doesn't remember all of it because she worked so much. And I, I was pregnant when I heard her say that. And it's, it to this day, I think about it all the time because they do, they change so fast that I never want, I don't know, I don't want to look down and be like, how did he get this big? I, what was I, you know, great. I was serving clients, like mm-hmm. big book. Yeah. 
you're not going to remember that stuff when it really counts. And yeah, you, you're giving yourself a huge gift by, by taking that focused business time, because then you get to give that focus time to your family and be like fully present. And I just think that's, that's something that not enough people do. So you're killing it. I, I know that we see the highlight reel and I'm sure there's plenty that goes on behind the, the highlight reel. Yeah. But you're doing it and like you're a present mom and you're a present business owner. And I think that's what counts. So you're, I, I applaud you. Seriously. You're doing awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. So leave us with some wisdom. I just like, I want to keep you on here for another like six to eight hours, if that's okay. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> you know, this journey, it's like, I'm sure it's had the ups and downs. It's been ongoing journey for you. You've had those struggles along the way. Just what would you tell someone who's maybe in those earlier shoes or in that, maybe in a pivoting point of their business, maybe they are successful, but they just, they just heard our conversation and realized that they missed the first few years of their kid's life and they've got to do things differently. What can you say to these amazing entrepreneurs who just need that encouragement? Okay. I'm going to say this and it's not out of my head. So I just want to like make that really clear. This is something that was said to me and it's like stuck with me. If you have, if you read my content at all, I've talked about this in a video and an Instagram and an email newsletter, but it's like been that much of an impactful concept to me that I just want to share it. I was at a mastermind event recently and her name is Claire Pelletru. She said, what would you do if you were the very best at your craft? And that is something that has, I continue to think about it because there's like two, to me, when I think about that question, there's two sides of it. One is it takes a little bit of the hustle mentality out of like a little bit of the striving out. If I was really confident and again, it's like an imagining exercise. So it's not like a snobby question. It's just, I want you to like, imagine if you were the best, the go-to girl for what it is that you do. Well, I would work a little less. I would rest a lot more. I would be confident in my offerings and in the clients I was getting, you know, like I just, I think it would change the way that I work, but then I think it would change the way I show up at work. I would treat my potential clients and customers and students like they already had the mindset and the funds to hire me. You know, I would go out there and like communicate that to them and show up with my offerings. Um, It's just a really good question that has made me think a lot about, you know, I would probably launch the things I'm terrified to launch. I would just, why not? If I was the best, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see if this works and like not worry about what people think. But I don't know. That's one thing that has been, I've been wrestling with. It's a great wisdom provoking question, I think. I think so too. And it's really powerful. It kind of gave me goosebumps thinking about that confidence. Like I I think like, what would that feel like? You know, like I Right. I would love that. Like having, cause it doesn't matter what level you get to. I've foster syndrome. Yeah. It just, you always kind of question, mm-hmm. is this good enough or am I enough? And you know, that, and just so you know, like my perception of you, and this is not like, I'm not trying to like boost you up here, but I'm serious. Like I view you as the expert in your field. Like if I I'm kind of getting stuck in my copy. I go to your email campaigns that you send so that I can get some inspiration or I go to your social media or your website. So you're doing it. And I totally look to you as the one person that I want to know about copy and, and writing from you. So I think you're, you're killing it in this. I appreciate, I just, maybe that is a classic then example of like, 
I, and I still fear, you know, like, so I have to go back to, like you said, it's, I think it's something that as entrepreneurs, we're just, we have to learn how to like live in the tension of that and live in it well. Mm -hmm. I like to ask the people that I bring on the show, a couple closing questions. First being who has been inspiration in your life through the whole journey now in your space, or Mm -hmm. even as a kid, like who inspires you and who motivates you and, and keeps you centered? Mm, this may be a cop-out answer from my husband. Like he didn't even ask for this business journey and he's so supportive of it. He helps with the finances so well. He just, I just, I look out there and I, I know I have friends who their husbands are not like super into what they do. And I am so gifted and blessed with a guy who like, he's kind of just like, whatever, let's go for it. And I think it comes from a place of that first, you know, three months in marriage, we hit rock bottom where we like brought up the D word divorce. And like, we, we were so shell shocked by the hospitalization and the mental health stuff that after we came out of that, I think it was just a, it was like, you know what, we'll try anything. Like we know the Lord is for us and we will just, we're just going to go for it. We're going to take risks. And so he's my rock. He's completely different from me too. So I think as much as I'm the the dreamer, the go-getter, he's like very steady. And so that tempers me and brings me back to earth as a business owner and a mom. Yeah. It sounds like your Wes is like, aside from the fact that your Wes is a Patriots fan, my husband hates the Patriots <laughs> and Tom Brady, that my Michael is a lot like yeah. him, like the yeah. kind of the steady, steady kind of keeps me from being the balloon that just like floats away oh, with all her I, ideas. That's what I always picture too. Yeah. I always, I'm like, I'll just, you know, away. And Wes is like, come on back, come on back to earth. I call him in the moments of like, like heated excitement about some, like an idea that I have, I come to him. Now I've learned, but I, and this is, might be a good learning lessons for anyone listening. I used to just go to him like, like a balloon, like, oh my God, like try and catch me. I'm so excited. Let me tell you everything. And then he would like bring me down and try and like come up with a plan. I'm like, you're a dream sucker. (laughs) But now I go to him and I say, Hey, guess what? I'm super excited about something. I need you to just be excited with me. And then we can talk about the plan later, but I need you to celebrate. And he's like, okay, thank you very much for the warning. <laughs> Let's and do it. That in my back pocket because that is a killer tip. Oh yeah. Cause I used to get so defeated because we're different, you know, and I didn't, we didn't know how the, our communication skills were so different. Okay. So resources. I like hearing from other successful entrepreneurs, books that you love, seminars you've attended, courses, podcasts you listen to, any of that stuff because our listeners just go go crazy over all of that stuff. Love it. One, I, and it's on my desk. I'm working through, have you read Tribe of Mentors by Tim? I have. Okay. So good. And I love like, you know, like you do your devotion in the morning and I feel like it, it's like little bitty interviews with other entrepreneurs and I can read like one or two before I start my work day. That's been helpful. I also heard recently on a podcast, I think Marie Forleo was being interviewed on somebody's podcast, but she mentioned that every now and then she'll read like before she gets started, some of the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. And I think like that's a good book to come back to as an entrepreneur. Like we just talked about some mindset stuff and just kind of remembering like, no, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to work through the difficulty and get it out. So that's a book I think I come back to a lot. I read constantly. I get asked a lot what podcasts I listen to. Do you know what's been really helpful is listening to completely like not related to business podcasts. I listen to a ton of political podcasts. Hmm. And it's made me a better business owner because I think I understand economics more. I understand, like I hear words and phrases, like talking about stealing like an artist. I hear things that 
my little bubble is not saying. So I would, I would encourage, I always tell people that like, go listen to, listen to the opposite of what you do. Yeah, I agree with that. I I'm like obsessed with health. And so I'll learn and listen to like all these really like geeky, nerdy medical podcasts and stuff. And just, yeah, I love that though. Yeah. And you just like, it's not in my, like, cause I could live in my works stuff all day, every day. Like, yep. No break. Yep. Um, love it. Yep. Getting yourself outside that it, it makes you more intelligent. You pick up more, you're not stuck in your own little bubble. So I really like that. Okay. Most importantly, where can our homies find you? Our homies can come right over to my home. I live online at ashlandwrites.com, W-R-I-T-E-S. And then on Instagram, that's the platform I'm on the most. It's at Ashlyn S. Carter. I live also probably on YouTube a good bit, and you'll find that through the other outlets. So awesome. those are probably my three big spots. Perfect. And you have some freebies that I can snag from you after the show Absolutely. and link to them. Okay. I'll load you up. Yeah. You guys, go follow her and... Anything she's got is gold. Just trust me on that one. So if you're if you're struggling in this department and you need help with it, just reach out and go through her stuff, her courses, her freebies, all that stuff is, is just amazing. And I also wanted to just thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show. You were amazing. And this was amazing. And I was taking notes if you saw me looking down as we were chatting because I always go back and listen, but I like to listen more than once. And I wanted to take some notes on that. And the listeners of the show, Ashlyn and I want to support you on your journey too. So take a screenshot of this episode and tag the both of us on Instagram so that oh we God, can, that would make me so happy. yeah, me too. We can shout you out. Yep. We can put you out into the universe and, and more people can see yep. you and what you're working on because we want to support you on your journey. We know it's tough getting started and getting things going. So you thank got. you, Ashlyn. Take thank care. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.